0: I remember once like crying, like closing the door. My daughter wasn't in her seatbelt, just sitting on the ground outside the car and just crying and going, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to actually get her in the car and feeling so stressed because I had to get to work and I knew that people would judge me for being late. Oh, there's the single mom who can't get here on time again.
1: Julia Husher didn't expect to be a single mum, but after her relationship ended three months after giving birth, that's exactly the situation she found herself in. Welcome to Navigating Parenthood brought to you by HCF. I'm Gretchen Miller and we'll be speaking to Julia about the joys and challenges along the way as well as her advice for other single parents. And joining us too in just a moment is Elizabeth Shaw who's a clinical and counselling psychologist and also the CEO of Relationships Australia New South Wales branch. But before we get into the show, some necessary information to remind you that this podcast, of course, contains general information and shouldn't be relied on as advice about your situation. HCF doesn't adopt or endorse any statements or opinions made during the podcast. And if you're feeling depressed or anxious and need to talk to someone now, call Lifeline on 13 and talk to your doctor for health advice and services. Now, to you first, Julia, new motherhood hasn't been quite as easy as you might have expected. Can you take us briefly through your story with your partner from when you found out you were pregnant?
0: Well, yes, Gretchen, single motherhood, I should say, was definitely not what I anticipated. And that was because of the single parenting factor that kind of got thrown in quite quickly. But having said that, it was my decision to become a single parent at that point. And that was because... Briefly, I guess my partner and I were together not very long before we decided to try and have a child. We'd been friends for around two years before that, so I felt I knew him quite well. When we decided to start trying for a baby, cracks started appearing in the relationship. Cracks that I was very concerned about, very different values. He wasn't very close to his family, he couldn't understand why I did want to be close to my family. There was a lot of isolation from my family and my friends, did not like me socialising. Just very, you know, very different in every respect, really. And I guess they really only came to the forefront when we were, you know, trying for a baby and it was getting quite serious. So we started trying and I got pregnant straight away. And before I actually found out I was pregnant... We'd had a huge argument which involved him being very controlling and I thought to myself, this is not a healthy relationship. I need to get out of this relationship. So I actually ended it. I did a pregnancy test and it was negative and then ended the relationship. A couple of weeks later, I discovered that I actually was pregnant. So I was over the moon happy because all I ever wanted really was to be a mum, but I was also really distraught because it wasn't the way that I had pictured being pregnant to be. So I decided that we had to try and make it work. So we we did and it just wasn't working very well. And then we ended up going to see a counsellor at Relationships Australia actually. And that lady was just amazing. She really helped us so much. But at the end of the day, we sort of came to the conclusion that it wasn't going to work. Our differences. They were so on opposite ends of the spectrum. There was no compromise. What are some of the challenges you faced then in early single parenthood?
1: You moved back to Sydney. You made a decision to move, didn't you?
0: Yes. Is that where your family is? I didn't have a support network in Perth, so I knew that I wanted to come back. And that was actually something that we discussed with the lady from Relationships Australia when we decided that it was all over The challenges were, I mean, obviously the logistics. For me, it was a huge, I didn't want to, I felt really ashamed and I didn't want to be put in that single mother category. I thought people would judge me and think that maybe I was a failure or not intelligent, or, you know, I felt like I constantly had to justify like, <laughs> that I was educated and that I came from a good family and that. And it was within myself more than anything. Like I didn't experience that much judgment, though I did experience some, but, you know, that was very, very scary.
1: Elizabeth, I would love you to talk about judgment and the single mother dilemma.
2: So on the one level is acceptance, but it's amazing that um there are certainly communities, individual classes, individual neighborhoods or families where there's been no divorce or separation at all. So I've I've had clients who said there's no parent in my child's class who's separated except for me. So I think we also have to assume that pervasiveness is quite useful in that it takes some stigma out of it, but it's not so common that we can assume everybody has a good support network and is feeling okay about their situation. I think too, when you've grown up in a family where your goal was to have a good, strong relationship and to have a two-parent family, then I've, I've certainly worked with people who, as you have said, feel very, very badly about being in that position and feel shame. And even though it's not fair or reasonable, they do feel great shame about their situation.
1: Both of you have talked about support networks. Elizabeth... It seems to me that the support network is everything.
2: Look, it absolutely is. And this year is Relationships Australia's 70th anniversary. And we did a big study into loneliness. And interestingly, a lot of people have the idea that if you're lonely, you're sort of elderly, your partner's died. And that's what we all have to expect, you know. But what it showed is that one of the high groups experiencing loneliness is single parents. And in fact, in particular, single fathers. And I think that's very very interesting in light of our conversation because for many single parents who are just trying to hold down a job or um, study and be there to be enough for two parents. There's very little time left for a social life. There may not be money for a social life. If you don't have family around you, you don't have babysitting. For many of my clients, just getting to the gym feels like a success. Some have said, look, I never wanted to leave my children at home at this age, but if I don't leave them for one hour to get to the local yoga class, I'm not going out at all. And Those are real moral tensions about not always being able to be the parent you want to be in order to save yourself. So I think, I think it's very important to look at um, what can be a lot of suffering for single parents who may not be surrounded by support and care. We
1: might get to that aspect of socialising later on. Now, one of the other really big issues for single mums is the aspect of wanting the child to
0: have a relationship with the partner or the ex-partner. Did you feel that pressure? I feel very strongly that my daughter should have a solid relationship with both her mum and dad. And I didn't want her to be disadvantaged in that relationship that she had with her dad just because he and I were no longer together. I felt like I put a lot of effort into nurturing that relationship. He didn't come to the party, but then I got blamed for alienating our child from him. Elizabeth I imagine that this is one of the big
1: difficulties for single parents to navigate
2: look absolutely and of course um what often gets played out is the resentments over the relationship ending so even if you have an agreement it, it, that whole narrative about well you walked out so you know, dot, 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 you should do the lion's share of everything from then on. So I guess, as you say, you do it for your child. And a lot of the research does say that if there is another parent on the scene, not everybody has another parent around, but if there is, then it is in their best interest to have a relationship with both. And so you, of course, do do it for the child. And ultimately, it is in service of your children. If their life can be uh, not impacted by it. That is the interesting question, isn't it? Is on the whole, you know, how do parents protect their children from conflict like this? Look, it's, it's hugely difficult, but most research on separation says that you do need to protect them from the open conflict. So one of the moments of greatest conflict is at handover. And so it's it's crucial that everybody holds it together at that point. It's not always possible. But it's also crucial, say as you're driving to drop off, that if if you're furious And so the child picks up very early, what's, what's mum or dad's experience of handover? And if they see it as a source of resentment, that they're furious, that they're, you know, there's a rant around it, then the children very quickly take that on. Children will internalize very, very quickly that it's their fault and they will take responsibility. So the thing is, once you've decided yourself, I'm going to make this work. And if you're truly doing it for your child, then you, you need to protect your child's whole experience of that which includes things like, I want you to have a great time. How did you go? Did you have a great time? What did you do? And look, pleased about it. All of those things is really hard when you're feeling resentful. So sometimes getting professional support to just help you hold it together is the only way to bear it until the initial conflict irons itself out. And for some families, sadly, it never does. But for many, as the years move on, you can get to a better place with it.
0: Well, I agree with everything that you were saying, Elizabeth. One of the best things that I learned was that, firstly, look at it like a business relationship. Just don't ask personal questions. Don't rehash the past. I found that we were just fighting over the same things over and over again. The outcome wasn't going to change. You need two people to argue, you know. So if you have one person who can step out of it, and not get so emotionally involved, it's already a lot calmer.
2: Yeah, just to add to that, I think that's true. Children work out very quickly where there's unfairness and injustice. So as long as it's not abuse, if it's meanness, then of course your daughter in another couple of years will probably just be saying, I just don't like how dad behaves. She'll either take him on about it or she will not want to see him for that reason. This
1: is Navigating Parenthood, the podcast which is all about you, brought to you by HCF. We'd love to hear what you think about the show, so leave us a review wherever you're listening and tell your friends to check us out too. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: Life's full of little bumps. Some you can plan for, some you can't. That's why HCF created My Family Packages, with flexible extras so you control how you spend on the services you need the most. Visit hcf.com.au today. Waiting periods of up to 12 months apply. Julia, how do you make parenthood work with just one of you, with one pair of hands? So for me, I also found that one of the best things that helped me was connecting with as many other single mums as I possibly could, local around me, because we are all in the same boat. So I've got some friends now, really good friends, who are, In the same situation as me in that they have their children 90% or more of the time and we really lean on each other. I wonder if any of the single mothers in your network have done something like move in together. Yes. So there's house sharing is a great option, I think. My neighbour used to be a single parent and we had a interconnecting door. So even though we weren't living in the same townhouse, it was amazing because her kids were a bit older, like, you know, they were teenagers and she would go out to the shops and say, Julia, can you just call in and make sure they've had their dinner and I'd be like, guys, have you had your dinner? And they'd say, yes. And I'd go, great, go and have a shower. You know, and meanwhile, I can still <laughs> look after my daughter in my home. <laughs> it's wonderful. Like, it's, it's so good. And you've also got the emotional support as well. And, you know, that goes back to the loneliness, I guess, that can help with that too. One of the other really tricky issues for single parents, I think, is the financial Most single parents have to go to work. They need an income. And then, like we were saying, there's the guilt. So you do have that guilt. Logistics are very difficult. I know for me, I struggled a lot. I had to drop my daughter to daycare sometimes I was late to work. I would get disapproving looks. You know, this was sometimes in stages where my daughter wouldn't get in the car, you know, when they go really stiff and you're like, get in the car and you can't, yeah, you just can't bend them in. And I remember once like crying, like closing the door. My daughter wasn't in her seatbelt, just sitting on the ground outside the car and just crying and going, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to actually get her in the car and feeling so stressed because I had to get to work. And I knew that people would judge me for being late. Oh, there's the single mom who can't get here on time again, you know? So it was a lot of pressure for me. And then, you know, leaving work at five, I was always still the, the first one out, even though they were official working hours. And then the last one back to daycare. And then, oh, there's Julia's, you know, single mom running late to daycare. It was just, I could never, I felt like I was constantly chasing my tail and it was really difficult. But you don't have a choice. You have to make an income.
2: Look, it's it's incredibly hard going when they're thrown into the uh, position of being single parents. And I agree with your comments earlier, Julia, that people talk very glibly about it's too easy to get out of a relationship. I've I've never worked with people who've done anything other than struggle and, and desperately wish it wasn't the case. And so I think then uh, I know people that have returned to work and had to take whatever they can, which might mean being lower paid. And of course, for any working, Parent. It only really works if your children are well. You know, generally, they're not having, they have no disability. They, you know, that you have decent childcare that can be flexible. If everything works, then you can get to work. And if it doesn't work and you can call on another parent or family member, you've got that backup. But with a single parent, there's often nowhere to hide. Can I ask you, Julia, with your blog? So you started
1: a blog in your own business and you mentor other single parents. What is, do you think, the biggest issue? for those single mums? There's
0: a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's a list, <laughs> is there? Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, I think one of the hardest things is the feeling that every day is just the same and you're running on a hamster wheel and you're like, is this going to get better? You're dealing with your ex, you're constantly stressing about money. The kids are, can be really difficult and challenging sometimes and you just feel like... Is this going to end? Like, how is this going to get better? You know, I think a lot a lot of us tend to get that kind of victim mentality and it doesn't have to be that way. But it's hard. I mean, yeah. let's acknowledge that yeah. it doesn't have to be that way,
1: but it's fairly acceptable to feel like a victim. Elizabeth, if you're feeling like a victim, what do you do?
2: Look, I think um, with parenting generally there is so much that's routine that it's quite a suffocating day, isn't it? Because if you don't have a routine, uh, nothing ever works and yet the routine itself can feel like it's got you by the throat. And if you're a sole parent, you simply have to have order because if you don't, for example, end the day with the kids in bed, um, you've got no time for yourself at all to recover. So getting it right in that sense, is the imperative is even higher, I think, to have Proper downtime, and then in terms of tweaking your routine, I think most parents feel better by just having something new they're trying. So, um, so everything's the same, but this week I am going to make sure I ring a friend two nights after the kids are in bed for a decent conversation, or I am just going to make it to yoga once, or I am I am going to walk with the pram because I need the walk. The thing is to do it for yourself to say what can I do that recognise that I'm an adult here and I'm not just a mum or a doormat or a house cleaner but I I actually am a woman and, uh, you know, I've got social needs, I've got sexual needs, I've got needs to be independent and strong and so I think it's finding something that speaks to those parts of yourself.
1: But the other thing is really back where we started is loneliness but not just social loneliness the loneliness you get when you really would like to have someone else in your life. And navigating that and perhaps the issue of introducing someone new to your child weighs on single mothers' minds, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's a huge topic. And I think single moms often go one of two ways. They either jump into a relationship quite quickly and that might be to fill a void and to maybe, you know, Deal with that loneliness, and it's like a band aid, and it doesn't always draw the right person to you if you're not in the best headspace. Or sometimes, single mums I found can get very cautious and really put off dating if they've come from a horrible situation and they're like, No way, like, I'm not going there. I think the best time to date when you're a single mum is when. <sighs> Loneliness to me is not a good reason to date. I think that there's a difference between loneliness and feeling happy in solitude. And I think when you kind of get to doing some self-development work and you feel really good about managing single parenting on your own and you're in a really good place and maybe you're getting some of that loneliness addressed through your friends or other single mums and your family, whatever, it's a good time to maybe start dating. And then you're right, it's scary because you've got the whole kid factor to come into it. I think the best way to do it personally for me is like I do not introduce my daughter to anyone unless we've been dating for a good chunk of time. If I can see the relationship going somewhere, if me and that person are both on the same page and we've had the discussion that we both want the same out of the relationship, for me, if I'm just dating for fun, I wouldn't introduce them to my child. Elizabeth, is there an official position on this?
2: look it's it's a very difficult one because it's true enough that a revolving door of people um, may not be useful but at the same time having friends of both sexes and making it normal for your child to meet something without the big there's something afoot here you know or there's something really unusual about this person there's also a benefit to them getting used to you just having friends and that that can be a comfortable thing it also reminds them that you're an adult and um, and that your needs can can't be met entirely by a child. So I think in some ways, normalising having friends without making it a big deal is quite useful. And I think there's also something about introducing a new partner where things are not so advanced that you're really at the point of announcing, say, we're moving in together. And I've seen people do that trying to protect their child, the relationship gets really advanced. So when the grown-ups are ready to really make a leap and are really excited, the child's going, whoa, who is this person? So I think there's a, a lot in all of that about how you manage it. A quick
0: last question to you, Julia. How has being a single mum changed the course of your life? In every way, but the best way. I think I'm a much better person now than I was. I've become stronger emotionally. I know that I can do it by myself. I can kill bugs by myself. I can change tires. I'm, you know, I feel really independent and I feel really good with who I am as a person and who I am as a mother. And I'm definitely a different mother than I was, than when I was with my daughter's dad. I was timid. I was, I'd lost my sense of self. I was really isolated. And when I became a single mom, I got back to being me, which is Outgoing and confident and happy. And, it, you know, it didn't happen overnight, but I got there. Wonderful. Elizabeth, final words to single parents.
2: Look, I think it is, as Julia said, really important to have good people around you who actually understand what you're going through. So not people who will just accept everything, because sometimes the best friend says, look, you're not yourself. I think you need some help or I don't think you're traveling well. So I'm not saying someone who just tells you wonderful things. It's the great thing about social media is you can find whoever you need online And so making sure you look after your adult self, your adult grown-up parent self, not just your parenting self is really important.
1: Thank you both so much for joining us and sharing so generously. Julia Husha, blogger, podcast host, author and mentor for single parents from the Single Mother Survival Guide. And you'll find links to all the things that Julia does in our show notes. And Elizabeth Shaw, clinical and counselling psychologist and CEO of Relationships Australia's New South Wales branch, thank you so much for your words of wisdom. Listeners, if today's content has left you feeling anxious and you need to speak to someone now, do call Lifeline on 13 This has been Navigating Parenthood, brought to you by HCF. I'm Gretchen Miller. Do share us with your friends. Leave a review on your favourite podcast app. We love to hear from you. See you next time.